You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. It's not like during a sabbatical, you do nothing. It's not a vacation, actually. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not that you, you know, some people do because they just manage to research well and figure out how to go to Greece and do their research and have a research project around that. But many people, they're still working, still researching, still hitting the library, still doing all of those things. But it's not their full load. Yeah. So slowbatical and sabbatical are saying the same thing. So all of y'all like, nope, can't, no break, got to roll, got to hustle. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying stop everything. We're saying let's open up a season of your career or your business or your roles and responsibilities in your business so that it can be slower and more intentionally focused on recovery or catching up with your backlog or whatever you need to have during that cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are uh, there are some people out there who can take a sabbatical and it actually, like you said, looks pretty close to a vacation. But you're right that it is oftentimes just a significant scaling back um, of the work that they were doing and a time to really recenter and recover uh, and to be able to come back to the work um, and really be in it in a good, a good and positive way. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone. This is another episode of the Productive Flourishing podcast. Joining me today is the amazing and beautiful Angela Wheeler. And I can say that without filling out HR paperwork because she is my lovely wife. Hi, Angela. Hi. Glad to be here. All righty. It's been, it feels like it's been forever. It does feel like it's been forever. I don't know that it's actually been that long. I Yeah. It, it could have been two weeks ago and it would have felt like four months. Which means that we're saying quarter one of 2022 has been really exciting mm-hmm. at PF between the momentum Kickstarter, between some stuff happening with um, team and team development, between craftcation and events coming back on. It has been a lot. It has been very full in a very amazing way. And that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. All right, Angela, roll us into today's conversation. All right. Well, we're going to be talking about sabbaticals and slowbaticals today. Um, And so this topic is something Charlie and I have been talking a fair amount about in the academy here recently, uh, the Productive Flourishing Academy, in case you're not familiar with it. And it's something we've both had conversations with clients about, uh, with colleagues and friends as well. And uh, I was reflecting to Charlie a few weeks back that, okay, it's time for us to get on the podcast and actually talk about this. And it got me thinking a little bit about, okay, this is also a conversation that he and I had at some point last year as well. And I have a sense the year before also, because hello, COVID, the last two years have been a lot. And a lot of us, um, myself included, have dealt with certain levels of burnout over the last couple of years. And so I was reflecting to Charlie, 
Oh, we had this conversation last year and the year before about if I had stayed in academia, I would have had a sabbatical by now. <laughs> hmm. I'm well past that seven-year mark, which is fairly standard in a lot of academic institutions for professors to take a sabbatical, you know, a year or so. And we've been in business for 14, almost 15, 14 years now. I think it is almost 15. And we haven't taken a sabbatical. <laughs> this is probably something a lot of people, um, uh, for lack of better words, neglect, but when you're starting a company, a business, whatever that looks like, these aren't the things that you're generally thinking about. Uh, there aren't already things established and put in place. So we have to do that for ourselves. And so hence the conversation we're having today. What I want to slide in is that given how anti-hustle we are about so many different things and acknowledging that there are plenty of listeners who may be living in New York on the East Coast or maybe they're in the hustle and bustle of L.A. The idea of taking an extended period of time to refresh, recharge and sort of down cycle is anathema. Like that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. And I also want to comment on the um, just the place we are in our life and the privilege that we have, the, the type of jobs where it's actually a conversation that can be had. But what we're really commenting on is that within academic circles, within some other circles, actually, um, you actually see versions of sabbaticals in the military. Mm -hmm. When you think of some training environments, when you think of some of those types of things and some, some of the deployments, um, what it acknowledges is every, you know, five to seven years or so, we have pushed and done enough that there needs to be a recalibration and recharge mm -hmm. on the academic side. It's because you've had that amount of time of all the teaching and speaking and things like that, that a lot of times you end up with both a backlog of ideas that need to get out and research that you need to pull together. Um, and you also need to lower the load from teaching and things like that. And so it's recognized that there's a break that's needed to do that level work. Mm -hmm. That said break doesn't exist for a lot of folks. Um, Angela and I, both of our parents were in um, elementary education. Mm -hmm. And so we grew up around, you know, around that environment. We actually, I was thinking about this the other day, Angela, we haven't told many people this, like how far we went to getting our minors in education as undergrads. Mm -hmm. So long ago, but um <laughs> Because that was a option for us as a career. Mm -hmm. um, we ended up becoming teachers in a different way. Um, but we grew up in a place where every summer yep. there was a sabbatical, as it were. There's that, that summer break, right? Mm -hmm. Which if you're in an education family, you know, it's not a full, full break. Because there's all the teaching stuff and there's all the sort of stuff that goes on. But there, at least there's a break. Um, we now live in a world but we also operated within a business that doesn't have that stated cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and yet the patterns and human needs remain the same. Yes. And so when we're saying sabbatical today, there's another word that Angela said. I think you said it. I did. Yes. Which is slowbatical. Now I started using slowbatical with clients and things like that. Maybe two years ago. Mm -hmm. So this is two years overdue, but that's how sometimes these things work. <laughs> 
Um, and the reason I started saying slobatical more than sabbatical is because I knew the immediate, the immediate hackles were going to go up. It's like, nope, can't, won't. Who? What's going on? What do you mean? Take a break? Like, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started thinking in terms of slobatical. Is like, look, I realize that you can't stop, stop. But how do we alter your job or your expectations or your priorities to be able to slow down and not be part of what you're doing? So I want to pause here because it's not like during a sabbatical, you do nothing. It's not a vacation, actually. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not that you, you know, some people do because they just manage to research well and figure out how to go to Greece and do their research and have a research project around that. But many people, they're still working, still researching still hitting the library, still doing all of those things, but it's not their full load. Yeah. So slobatical and sabbatical are saying the same thing. So all of y'all like, nope, can't, no break, got to roll, got to hustle. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying stop everything. We're saying let's open up a season of your career or your business or your roles and responsibilities in your business so that it can be slower and more intentionally focused on recovery or catching up with your backlog or whatever you need to have during that cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are uh, there are some people out there who can take a sabbatical and it actually, like you said, looks pretty close to a vacation. But you're right that it is oftentimes just a significant scaling back um, of the work that they were doing and a time to really recenter and recover uh, and to be able to come back to the work um, and really be in it in a good a good and positive way. And, you know, just to be frank, um, for many of us, it gets to the point where it's either a sabbatical or slowbatical or it's full on burnout. Um, and that's not you know, we're talking more about it. We're much more aware about it now than we were a couple of years ago because it it's dire for a lot of people, unfortunately, at this point. But we've always needed sabbaticals or slowbaticals. Um, and burnout has been an issue for a while, but it's just at that scale now where we just can't ignore it um, or we can at our own peril for sure. Yeah, I wish I would have brought the statistics for this. This, remind, this reminds me of the OEN pub talk that I that I was participating in last week mm-hmm. about the change in burnout yeah. during COVID time. But here's the interesting thing that I found from that research. Um, we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. So don't take this as um, 100% accurate because me, it's me trying to remember a bunch of statistics. But it was something like pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Most reporters, like a 52%, reported that they were burned out. Mm-hmm. During COVID times, it only jumped up to like 62 to 68. Now, that's significantly, that's a significant difference. Yes. And half of us were mm-hmm. already there anyways. Yes. Right. Um, and so I want to acknowledge that because a part of what's going on during this pandemic cycle is we're talking about things so much more. Because we've changed our work, we've changed so many different things. And the need for sabbaticals and slowbaticals existed prior to COVID. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, those needs are going to exist after whatever after this pandemic cycle means, mm-hmm. right? And so 
I, I'm saying that because I know so many people are listening and they're like, okay, well, I can wait until after, right, this. I'm in the middle of a pandemic. What are you talking about? And that's the very type of thing. And so Angela mentioned that, you know, not having sabbaticals or sabbaticals leads to slowdown or leads to burnout. But I also want to say it leads to burn downs, meaning you get to a certain point where you're just like, fork it. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to blow this business up. I'm going to blow my career up because it's either blow my business or career up or shut down. Mm-hmm. And so some of us choose to burn things down rather than burn out. Yeah. But usually that's happening after or with burnout happening at the same time. And I want to pause here real quick because I think when we talk about burnout, I think most people go to the incapacitated burnout. Mm -hmm. Like you're just done. You're catatonic. You can't do anything. And that's what burnout means to them. Mm -hmm. There are levels to this. Yep. Right? Um, You don't have to be catatonic to be burnt out. Mm -hmm. Um, You can be less than that. You can be all sorts of different levels. So when we're talking about burnout, again, we're not saying... Like, you've got to be that person that's just on the floor that can't do it anymore. Big love if you've been there, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're there right now. It could just be those of us who just have that dull ache of crispiness that no matter what we do, like, it never really goes away. Yeah. It's, I, I really appreciate you pointing to that and bringing that up because it is true. Like when we hear about burnout, we talk about burnout. It, it often is the founder who burns the company down and fires everyone and, you know, goes to live on an island somewhere and, you know, what, whatever those stories are that we hear, um, you know, or the person that blows up in the boardroom and, you know, blows up their career, whatever that is. But Burnout is much more insidious, I think, um, than than what we often think about and realize. And it's often, you know, I kind of think about it because things like I realize I'm going to be moving over into a social psychological perspective here. That's which is, what we're here for. That's what we do here. Um, but it's it's like other other things like, you know, depression or anxiety, which often you know, coincide with burnout, actually, to a degree, that it can come on over time. And it could be, you know, that the house is on fire before you realize like how bad it has gotten. And so I think a part of this for me, a part of this conversation for you and I today, and why this is something I think it's important to talk about um, for, you know, for founders, for executives, um, for business owners is, We often are so focused on the thing that we love because we've gotten into it because it's the thing we love and we want to do. Um, And we're focused on taking care of our team, our employees, our clients, you know, making sure for some of us, this is our like our baby, right, That, that it's taken care of, that we can miss a lot of the signs within ourselves um, of of what's coming. Um, And... I really do like, you know, I'm probably going to say this at multiple points, but, you know, one of the things, if you can walk away with this today with having listened to this, is that paying attention to it sooner and planning for needing to take sabbaticals and slowbaticals 
is an amazing service to your business, to your customers, your clients, your team, and definitely to yourself. Um, I wanted to, I'm, I'm going to kind of walk back a couple of steps because one of the things that I really, really enjoyed about the OEN, which is Oregon Entrepreneurs Network, um, the panel discussion that happened, um, and Charlie, Charlie moderated this panel, um, is the great discussion that was going on about, you know, with these different founders that were on the panel of the changes that have taken place during COVID and how to have, um, this is probably not exactly how it was phrased, but obviously shows my perspective and view of, of how we have strong companies and strong teams that we take care of. Um, and there's just, there's so much responsibility there. Um, and it can be overwhelming for for founders and executives alike, obviously for employees and workers as well. Um, but if we don't do it, we all suffer. Why I think we're calling out founders it's not that founders are better than other people and that's no. it's a certain type of job and i was talking about this with kate strathman um who will give a link into show notes as well wonderful soul over at wonderwell um and the thing about being a founder and a small business owner especially if you haven't taken on investors and things like that is that you're in this very awkward position to where you can't be fired mm-hmm. and you can't quit yeah. You can't be fired and you can't quit. So in a very real way, you can be stuck. Yeah. Um, and without sabbaticals and sabbaticals, you end up in this place to where you can emotionally be driving your business to the ground mm-hmm. and get to a point where no one can help you. Yeah. But again, you can't be fired unless your business tanks and things like that. Um, and you can't quit. And we have to have special care for people in those types of positions mm-hmm. because the normal um, relief routes that other people have don't exist. Yeah. If you're a executive, as stressful as that is, you can be fired for poor performance mm-hmm. or you can quit and get another job. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, I've realized that has human cost and financial cost and things like that. Absolutely. Um, if you're an employee or an independent, you know, or an individual contributor, if your job is really terrible and you just can't, you know, you know that you need to leave, you can quit. Or if you're at a point to where you're not able to perform for whatever reason, you can be fired. And I know that it sounds like being fired doesn't like that's not a great thing. No. By in, like it's all. terrible. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's better for folks to be let go mm-hmm. than to hang on indefinitely and to their, you know, well-being and things like that. So that's why we're sort of centering founders in this particular founders and small business owners. Mm-hmm. Now I put a caveat there that like, if you've got funding and you've got a board and you've got things like that, yeah, you can be fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, we've seen that happen plenty of times. Yes. Right. Um, you can also quit. 
mm-hmm. because there's just a different structure there. But for bootstrapped founders and small business owners who have put their heart <laughs> into things, but many of us have put in, you know, our lines of credits against homes. Like we've just done all those things that you do to make it happen. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different scenario to be stuck. Yeah. Um, and you need for your company to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and pause here real quick. A lot of pausing today. Anyways, um, the other part of the responsibility of small business owners and founders, and this is what leads to some of this burnout, is that our choices bear on other people's livelihood in a very real way. Yes. Like you're not the, you know, head of a five, you know, 500,000 person company. Like your choices lead to you walking in one day and being able to say like, this job doesn't work and like it's not working out or, um, you know, we got to shut down. We got to do different things. And so that's a lot of responsibility. Yes. Um, I, I will say um, it was much easier for me when I was in academia mm-hmm. to sort of navigate my job. Because, again, I knew I could fire and be, fire. I could get fired or I could quit. Mm-hmm. Like, I would say that being a founder CEO is like the most stressful and most responsible position I've been in, except for my military experience. And there's just nothing that replaces literally having people's lives Absolutely. like that are not in your hands. Cause you know, you've got a strong team, but your choices in some of the scenarios I've been in really do matter. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it's like leading troops in a tactical convoy, combat convoy through Iraq, stressful, high responsibility, things like that. And then like a few clicks under that, Founder, CEO, that sort of scenario. Even in I, when I had non-combat jobs, um, briefing generals, doing things like that. So what? Like it's okay. Like worst case scenario is I, you know, I get in trouble and I make my boss look stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one's gonna die from it. Yep. Um, no one's livelihood is tied up into my my choices. Mm-hmm. But as the co-owner of Productive Flourishing, there are now 11 people mm-hmm. and a team of contractors and things like that who eat and live and send their kids to school and set up for retirement and buy homes based upon our being able to keep this thing going. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is a lot of responsibility. Um, it's a big um, honor to be able to do that work as well. And um, I want to share a, a bit of a story here in a moment, but one of the things I w- wanted to point out is, you know, when you're on a topic and things just continue to show up, like, or it's, what was it? This is so random, but like you see a car that you're interested in or you're thinking about buying and then you see it everywhere. Like those, those things that happen, right? Like mm-hmm. you're interested in a thing or it's coming up and then you just see it everywhere. I, um, I was reading the Portland Business Journal. I feel like it was a week or two ago, very close to the same time that this OEN pub talk happened. And I read a, a staggering, good, scary article about founders and mental health, actually. Um, and I, I, I mentioned that because I want to make sure that we link to it, actually, in this podcast, because it's it brought in a lot of different research and things like that, as well as ways founders can support themselves. Um, and anyway, so I just wanted to bring that up that, you know, this is something 
that more and more people are becoming aware of and talking about. But the I was talking with uh, I was talking with a client um, <laughs> a few weeks ago and uh, having a conversation about where the business um, needed to go for her. And she was showing up with so many of the signs that, that we see, that we know of burnout, um, you know, just having a really hard time engaging in the work. And this is work she loves. This is her passion work. This is her purpose work. And she's amazing at it. And she's so good at it. Um, like, it's one of those things where I feel like I could say, like, the world would be worse off without without her work in it, really and truly. Truth. Yep. And, you know, in this conversation, um, you know, as we were just peeling back the layers of, of where do we go, what needs to happen, what is available, um, how do we get this back to being something that she loves, um, something that, that is sustainable? It, you know, those, those layers continued to come off and there, there were a lot of things going on. There was the exhaustion um, there was not loving the work that she normally loves. There was lack of concentration, not even being able to get into the types of projects that she would usually like wake up early to do because it was so exciting. You know, and all these things, you can kind of go down the list and it's burnout, right? Um, and the other thing that I wanted to bring up here um, is another thing she talked about is privilege. And that's a thing I do want to make sure that we address. Charlie's spoken to it a little bit already, that one of the things that was holding her um, captive in some ways in her business and from not feeling like she could really and truly either take a slow sabbatical or a sub sabbatical is not everyone has the choice to be able to do this. And that is true. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to argue that. Like, there's that is absolutely true. Um, and part of the reason I love her is that she recognizes that. She knows that, right? And so it's something that I want to, you know, speak to as uh, founders might be listening to this, others who are in this place where they really deeply feel that something needs to give, that a slow sabbatical needs to happen, a sabbatical. Yes, you may be in a place where you can figure this out and you may have stories about other people not being able to do this or, you know, the privilege that comes with doing this. Yes, like I hear that. I'm never going to argue against that. And you still have to take care of yourself, right? Um, your business needs you to take care of yourself. Your family does and you do more importantly. I'm going to give a special shout out here to those people who have side hustles, hmm. who may not consider themselves either founders or small business owners, hmm. but they have this creative side hustle that's earning revenue or maybe freelancers, whatever you call your side thing. The thing about it is, if you're doing that thing on the side, you're also working full time most of the time where you've got other things going on and they're it can still be the case that even if this is your side hustle or your freelance thing, that you still need to take a slow sabbatical. Mm -hmm. You still need to do some of those. Um, I'm, 
I think more people who are employed, you know, who have a boss mm-hmm. and work in a standard corporation need to be thinking in terms of this. We might need to have a whole other episode yeah, for that's, that. That's a whole other conversation. Because for, well, I'll, I'll share a snippet of the conversation. If y'all are listening to this and you're in that scenario and you want to hear more, please email either Angela or I, charlie at productiveflourishing.com or Angela at productiveflourishing.com. And we'll do another episode on this specifically for people who don't have the so-called time autonomy that founders and, mm-hmm. and small business owners have. So I see you. I understand that this part of this may, may not seem accessible or relevant for you. But what I will say here is it's really about a mindset piece. Even if you're working at Boeing or Intel, it's that extra expectation that you have on yourself to always be growing and always be taking on that next promotion and always be taking on the next thing, the next project and the next and the next and fill it up, fill it up, do it faster, faster. That mm-hmm. is what we're encouraging you to play with and say, maybe it's a slobatical for you. Looks like just being great at an essential number of things at work and not expecting yourself to be pushing that next promotion or pushing for that next promotion or taking that, getting that next certification or being on whatever special projects they, they get love and shine. Like maybe you just say, you know what? I'm going to be great at the essential part of my job and I'm okay with whatever happens from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because so many of our listeners are recovering or you know, not so recovering overachievers. Absolutely. And just don't see that always climbing that damn career ladder has a cost. Yeah. So a slobatical or a sabbatical for you, again, we're not talking about just quitting your job and just like shirking, but just being like, you know what? I'm going to turn the cognitive and emotional temperature down. Yeah. And let things aerate a little bit and let myself recover for a little bit. All right. So if you want to hear more about that topic, <laughs> if you work at an organization like that or a small company and you're trying to figure out how to, how to do this, let us know. Yeah. Back on topic. Yeah. The other thing, you know, I wanted to bring up from this conversation I had with this client is um, we also had to talk about, you know, the, the real costs of not doing something different of not taking a sabbatical um, in, in this this person's case. And, you know, we've seen this happen with, with clients um, that the more tired you get, the more burnt out you get, the more mistakes are going to start happening as well, right? Um, it, it's how that executive leads to burning down the company, right? There's probably a lot of mistakes that have happened even before that burnout or burn, blow up, flame out, whatever you want to call it happens. And, you know, if this is a business that you love and that you do know, like, yeah, I really love this. It's just things aren't quite where I need them to be right now. It's essential, that you take steps back or you change things so that you don't make such costly mistakes that you're out of business or you do burn yourself down um, and you you are the one on the floor who can't function anymore. 
And so there, there's the real human cost, obviously, and that to me is always the most important. But there's also the cost to, you know, your business even being able to be sustainable or a thing that, that is, you know, in some ways I kind of think of it as a living organism, a thing that can survive anymore in this world. There's only so many mistakes that can be made before, you know, there's no turning back. And so it does cost in a lot of ways. Um, and it's going to cost a lot more um, if you get to that point where, you know, you can't make it better. For another client that I was talking to about this, her slobatical was giving herself permission not to rehire. Mm. And her situation is that she has a brick and mortar small business. And it's been incredibly hard to find workers to come in because of just the pandemic cycle. Yeah. And um, her people haven't been staying long. So she's had a lot of turnover. And she was just tired mm-hmm. of the hiring, the all the things that happen and then have someone leave and just sort yeah. of toasty. And I was like, hey, I get that. You know, it's your choice not to hire right now because she was in a position such that her options were go hire someone or go to her storefront and sell and interact with customers and things like that. The thing about it is she's wonderful (laughs) at customer service and sales and being with, being with all that and being at the store. And it's just a whole different vibe when she's there because founders mojo. Yeah. And I was like, you know, your option here could be for two or three months for however long it feels right. Just for you to go and lower that emotional, that emotional labor that it requires to sort of do this mm-hmm. and just be in a groove, mm-hmm. sell some clothes, make it happen. And then when you're ready or you need to move on, then we can make a different choice there. Mm-hmm. Because in her scenario is like, I got to, I got to do this or I got to be at the store. And I'm like, well, yes. And you know, what I said is you can do that. But that might mean that you let go of some of your expectations about what else you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just renegotiating for her in this moment what it might be. Slow down. Recover a little bit. Be in a groove. Have some sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pick it back up when she was ready. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We we often forget the the magic that we can bring to things um, when we've had, you know, employees that have taken that place of the thing we used to do, right, when we're growing growing our businesses. I, I love that. I'm wondering if maybe we could talk a little bit about, you know, what it might look like for, you know, for founders, small business owners that are kind of in the earlier stages of starting things out so that they can be planning ahead. Uh, we're all about planning here um, for being able to take a sabbatical or a slowbatical. Um, and we know because we work with people who have been in the business for a while that that planning for it looks a lot different than when you're already in it um, and you haven't planned for it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, you know, we're shifting to the what now sort of things, like how to how to apply this. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super tricky if you're 
a micropreneur and it's just you and you are the business or it's like you and, you know, sometimes what we call solo plus, right? Mm -hmm. It's you plus, you know, maybe a VA, maybe an an assistant Mm -hmm. that's helping you do that. Because if you leave, like sometimes our businesses, sometimes those businesses are much more like the Fred Flintstone thing. Like they move as fast as your feet pedal. Mm -hmm. And if your feet feet start stop pedaling, then it stops moving. Yep. So what do we do about that? It's going to be very specific to your business model. Um, um, by the way, check out my book, small business, the small business life cycle. Cause I actually talk about a little bit of how to build the structures around you to do that. Yeah. We haven't really plugged the small business life. Cycle no, I was actually, as you were starting to talk about it, I was like, um, we have a book on this. It feels like this. Yeah. So um, anyways, one of these days we'll have to talk about the small business life cycle and um, how it's still hanging around after about 10 years now. Right. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so the small business life cycle is the what to expect when you're expecting for small business owners and founders. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of tells you how your business is going to grow and what you should be focusing on. So in the earlier stages, that's what you did. You primed me because you thought about stage of business. I see that. Um, you know, the real thing that you have to look at is then is and understand that part of your early stages is really under really learning what your business cycles are mm. because every business that I've ever seen has a seasonality to it throughout the year. And what you can do, um, I'll give a very common seasonality. So uh, mid November until about January the 15th, maybe end of January, a lot of businesses can go into a fallow cycle. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in retail, unless you're in some of those things, because people are holidaying and shopping and gathering and doing all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you have something that ties into Black Friday or Cyber Monday, not a whole lot for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a lot of early stage entrepreneurs freak out. Like, what do I do during that period? Well, that's actually a really good slobatical period yeah. for a lot of folks. Just be like, you know what? Maybe I don't try to initiate a bunch of sales and marketing conversations that no one's paying attention to and that I'm just going to have to be following up at the beginning of the year anyways. Maybe I just chill and, you know, work half days or maybe I do something different because I also want to be a part of those gatherings and things too and not just be trying to build a business when no one's paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's the summertime and um, that's when your business goes fallow. And so you just need to have more of that time. So you can think about mini sabbaticals, mini slobaticals in this period. Um, But, or, and one of the things that can be helpful, and I know someone else is going to want to punch me in the eye about this, is the more that you can save up some of your profits, some of your excess revenue, so that you're thinking about it instead of just saving, Mm -hmm. which when you do it well, I've seen this happen with so many people early stages or in micro business, like you save, but it's not for a really good reason. Mm -hmm. So I've had clients that have been sitting on like major bucks, like six figure bucks that they're just saving Mm. at the same time that they're like, Oh, but I really want to break. And I really want to go and do all these things. And I really want to do that. I was like, but what are you saving for after a certain amount of security? Like you could that savings, that amorphous savings that you've been having, you could instead think of that as paying like the your sabbatical funds. Mm-hmm. That's what it's there for. You build it up. You live off of it. Mm-hmm. Then you build your business back up again. Yeah. So be careful of like that amorphous, I'm saving, I'm saving, I'm saving. At the same time that you're burning and you're burning and you're burning. Mm-hmm. Because 
you know, money having at, at past a certain amount of money, um, you get diminishing returns for having it in savings. Yeah. Just sitting there. I can go into a whole thing about why just money sitting in a bank account is not what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But you can have a fund if you use something like Profit First or YNAB. That's just your sabbatical fund or your slowbatical fund. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, if I if I leave, I'm not going to make money. Like, you've already made that money. Mm-hmm. Right. It's what are you going to do with it in a way that lets you do this long term that feeds and tends the golden goose that is you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, for those who are earlier stages or starting out um, and also for those who are in it. Right. Um, figuring out what you need to have set aside such that when it's time to take two or three months off. You can do it. Um, knowing that number, knowing what that is, is is such a service to yourself, um, to your customers, to your clients, to your business. Um, so I am with you. I highly encourage that. Um, and the other thing, too, is, you know, having a plan in place for it. You know, it's going to be different if you are the the sole person or, you know, solo plus, as you said for what that business might need to look like when it's on, you know, a slower, slower run or it's on pause. But, you know, having that plan in place, too, um, with what is going to continue to run, what's going to be on pause for a while, um, really helps you. It it lowers that that bandwidth needed whenever you're realizing oh, okay, this, like, things are are getting a little tough or it's just time, you know, it's time to step away for a little while. And so being able to set yourself up for success in that way, um, it's it's honestly, it's really something I wish someone would have talked to us about 15 years ago. Absolutely. Well, and the common thing that people think they have to do to have a sabbatical or slowbatical is like, well, I got to go hire someone Mm -mm. to tend to things. Um, and then you end up in like, oh, crap, now I got to hire someone and I got to train them and I got to do all that kind of whatnot. Yeah. Where, again, if you have like a slowbatical fund or a sabbatical fund and you're like, I'm going to be working half time, then, you know, when we start taking off. So Angel said, like, what time you need to take off? Like, it's great when you can completely unplug. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. In the context of what we're talking about here, it's kind of in between completely unplugged and running full. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of being like, well, I normally need, you know, $6,000 of income a month. Um, I really want to be half time. So it's like, OK, well, my sabbatical fund needs to be $3,000 a month for the amount of time that I want to go. So it's like 10K. And you're paying either for the lost opportunity cost mm-hmm. or that. And you're not having to invoke the stress of hiring someone to do all those things. Like, again, y'all, I'm a huge fan of building teams and hiring yes. and scaling and doing those types of things when it's relevant. I'm also a huge proponent of, of saying, like, let's pause for a sec, though. Hmm. Say, is that really needed? Like, yeah. we know about social media sabbaticals mm-hmm. where people are just and big fan of those, too. <laughs> really, like, I'm just going to be gone for three months. Mm-hmm. So we're talking things like that. And so sometimes there's just things where you're like, you know what? I'm not going to social media. I'm not going to be feeding the content beast. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be making the next product. I'm just going to be delivering on what I sold previously. Absolutely. And that's it. Yep. 
because I've, I've, I either am setting that expectation for myself or I've built the funds to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many early stage bootstrap business are de facto subsidized by either the person's existing savings mm-hmm. or their partner's income. Yep. And so, so much of the stress ends up becoming like, I'm not contributing. I'm not like doing things. I'm not doing what I said I was going to do. But that's not actually an economic driver. That's an expectations driver, meaning so many people can actually do half, be more present with their family, take care of themselves, so on and so forth. And it won't dramatically change their economic reality. Mm-hmm. But why they won't allow themselves to do it is because the expectation that they're going to be in that seat full time doing it and growing and and contributing and things like that. Remember, those are just all negotiations. You can either have them solo in your head and never win, Mm -hmm. or you can have them with your partner and co-create something that works for your entire family or that works for your community or whatever relational set you're in. Cause we're all in relational sets. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we've talked about it in, in different ways, but I don't know that we've, you know, said it specifically like this, but one of the things that I know that you've bumped up against when working with clients, um, and I have as well, is when we start talking about, you know, the need to scale back to either take a, a you know, to take a sabbatical um, or a slowbatical. Um, and, <laughs> you know, like, the first thing is I can't, like, I just can't. And we've we've spoken to that. And so, you know, the question I think you and I both generally have at that point is, well, let's, you know, let's unpack that. Like, why? Why can't you? Um, and I'm going to be honest that a lot of us are in a place where a full on sabbatical prop might not actually be possible, where you put a pause on everything And you do go on the, you know, six month to two year, like, learning and growing slash, you know, time off type of thing, right? Not possible for a lot of people. And this is where we figure out a slow radical, right? Absolutely. And I think what we, you know, there's a process here for what to think about here. So when you're thinking about a slobatical, two sets of questions. Mm-hmm. One, what are you making space to do more of and grounding your work around? So maybe that's writing, maybe that's resting, maybe that like it needs to be grounded in, in some sort of general intention. I don't want to say project quite yet because I know what y'all will do. <laughs> right. But what are you making space for? Yeah. And what are you making space from? Mm-hmm. All right. Once you know those sort of parameters, then you can start to say, okay, how do I make that happen? Now, to your point, a lot of clients are like, I can't. So I get sneaky. <laughs> don't, I, don't tell everyone all your tricks. I'll tell the secrets. Okay. <laughs> the real question is what conditions need to be um, in place for you to be able to take a sabbatical or sabbatical? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, And they're like, I can't. That's not the question I asked. What would need to be in place? And then we can have a constructive conversation about what the real constraints are, what their assumptions are, so on and so forth. And it gets over that emotional 
like I just can't do that, right? Um, because really what's happening is that's our head trash, that's our expectation, that's their culture of programming. So we go, what conditions need to be set up? So I was like, well, I have to make X. And then this needs to happen. And then that needs to happen. And I'm like, you know me, I'm like writing it down, taking a list. Like, okay, well, what's mm -hmm. going to take to do that to get there? 80% um, of the time, it's not as far as away as they think. They just haven't given themselves permission yeah. to do it. We talk a lot about permissions around this joint. Mm -hmm. And that's what this really comes down to is whether you're going to be able to give yourself permission to do it. Yeah. So what do you need to make space for? Mm -hmm. What do you need to make space from? What are the conditions that need to be in place for you to take a sabbatical? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it is letting go of a lot of the shoulds. Yes. I should be growing this. I should be doing this on social media. I should be doing this. I read this book. I watched this TED Talk. I heard this guy on the Productive Flourishing podcast and he irritated me. Whatever it is, right? Like a lot of those shoulds. Guess what? They can sit for two or three months and be just fine. Mm -hmm. And for slow baticals, I really encourage people to think two or three months first mm -hmm. because it lets us open up the conversation. Yes. Another sneaky thing here, clients, y'all going to be mad at me about this, is I know that if we make two to three months real, we can probably make three to six months real. Because about two months into it, clients wake up one Tuesday morning. And they're like, I've been going slower. I've been chilling. And my results are about the same. Yeah. Nothing has fallen apart. The world has not burned down. Yeah. I get just as many, if not more leads. I'm enjoying my work. like, And so inevitably, clients, again, y'all going to be mad at me. I'm like, we'll show up for a session. They're like, Charlie's like, I don't understand. Like, I something's off. I don't get it. And I'm usually like, you know, the problem you have right now is that you don't have a problem. <laughs> that's what you're grappling with. But that's just foreshadowing yeah. that if you take two or three months of a slobatical, you might wake up on that Tuesday or Thursday morning and be like, huh, all of that effort didn't really get me anywhere. It reminds me of a, um, we'll have to link to it, but Dever Derek Sivers in... One of his books, I'll have to go back to it. I wasn't primed for this, but he talked about, you know, riding his bike and he was riding really, really fast and huffing and puffing because he was trying to get there faster. And then this one day he rode slower, just at a natural pace and just enjoyed it and got to see everything. And the difference between him huffing and puffing and him taking it slower is like 17 seconds or like, I mean, it was basically it, like it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. We'll link to it in the show notes. Big shout out to Derek Savers. A lot of times our businesses are like that. We're huffing and puffing, huffing and puffing, and it's making like 3% difference. Yeah. But that's not a significant enough difference for the amount of heart and life energy we're putting into it. Absolutely. That, there's two different things that are coming up for me right now in this moment. And this may be a terrible metaphor, but when you're talking about that, about you know, being on the bike and such a small difference in time with like how much energy and output and anxiety and whatnot was put in versus just taking it as a slow pace. It just makes me think about driving and about like road rage and people like on people's bumper to try to go faster. And like it, 
is not going to work. Like you're going to have an accident. You're going to have a car wreck. You're going to be even more angry, more frustrated. And if you just took the time, you're probably going to get there in the same amount of time. You might not have an accident. Like it's just, yeah, it, it's... um it's our minds, right? And how, how they work, how, how we want to control um, the world around us in some ways. I was going to say another thing, but I can tell you have something to say about this. Angela has come around to slow driving, y'all. Yes. She used to get so pissed at me uh, oh, yes. because I would just be like, Chris, Chill. just chilling, driving to the next thing. And she's like, you're going the slow way. We could be there already. And the difference between her stressful way and the little jukes that she will do to avoid a stop sign and all that sort of jazz and me just having a good time thinking and driving was like two minutes. Yep. Um, I think a lot of your growth, but also your concussion now mm-hmm. has made it such that you've seen the toil of like stressing and trying to plot Absolutely. and navigate. And yeah. like, ain't nobody, like, I mean, plan ahead, leave a few minutes early chill and take your time and i guarantee you life is going to be better (laughs) or even if you are running behind that's okay pull over Mm -hmm. text whoever you're running behind with i'm gonna be three to five minutes late sorry i'm running behind and then don't show up late already and then be a crazy person Mm um i know we used to crazy in the wrong way. I didn't like that, that one, but anyways, be, be sort of hurried and then spend the next 15 minutes calming down. You know what? That's 15 minutes of the meeting. You also didn't have Yeah. better just take that two or three minutes and then slide into that and be chill about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Most people understand like, that's a weird thing. Sidebar. When someone's like three to five minutes late and you're already there earlier, like very rarely is someone pissed about that. Mm -hmm. Like there's like, you're really late, like 15 or 20 minutes, maybe. Mm-hmm. But when it's us that's three to five minutes behind, it's this whole existential crisis about it. Yeah. Right? Maybe we can just take better care of each other. Maybe just, again, pull over. Don't be texting and driving because that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Pull over. Hey, I'm running a few minutes late. Sorry about it. See you in a minute. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fine. So I'm laughing about that because Angela's come around to slow driving. Mm-hmm. Um, she used to be on my on my tail all the time about it. It's true. Y'all. The growth over the years and also the growth that's still needing to happen. (laughs) Um, So the other thing that was coming up for me, Charlie, uh, as you were talking about that, actually, is I'm going to do the thing that I often do and just admit that this conversation, this slow sabbatical, sabbatical conversation is one that I feel like not only because I've helped clients with it and we've seen it in the academy and we've had conversations with other people about it and I've seen the changes that can happen and and what is really and truly needed and also what happens when people don't take it. Like, I've seen it all firsthand. I can also speak to the fact that this is a conversation that Charlie has had to have with me just recently, actually. And so I'm sharing that because I know oftentimes, you know, I I hope it doesn't happen around here as often, but oftentimes we can read something or we can listen to something, someone talking about a certain topic, and they haven't experienced it. They don't, like, they're talking about it from, you know, a level where, 
Like they're so far beyond it that they haven't experienced it recently or they haven't really experienced it at all. And I just, you know, I just want to admit and say that really and truly, this is something that I am currently still having to have conversations with Charlie about, about what looks sustainable for me right now. Um, And I jokingly told him earlier, I will not have a mental health breakdown on our podcast. (laughs) He said, yeah, not the look we're going for. (laughs) But um, I, I say that jokingly, but I also say that with having had Um, unfortunate experiences earlier on in my career and in my life with not taking slow baticals and sabbaticals when when they were needed. Um, And so I just want to share from, you know, from that deep place of knowing that um, I'm in it myself right now. Um, And these conversations are conversations where I've also been on the other end being like, yeah, but yeah, but what about this? And so again, just sharing that if you, you know, if you're in it and you're like, wow, I, I need a slow sabbatical or I need a sabbatical. Um, please, please, you know, pay attention to that. Um, talk to, you know, your coach, your, you know, your partner, whatever it might be to help you find a way to make that happen. It may not be all at once. It may not be as quickly as you would want it to be or need it to be in your head. Um, But please, please pay attention to it. Indeed. And I said I was sneaky, y'all. I know. Like, really? This is not a coaching session, Charlie. (laughs) All right, gang. Um, If you like this episode, please do let us know. Email us, charlie Charlie at ProductiveFlourishing.com, Angela at ProductiveFlourishing.com. Your feedback actually helps us see if we're on target, if you'd like to hear more about this, if you would like us to dive in a little bit deeper onto the how-to side of this. We'll either have another episode about it or maybe have some written stuff about it. We um, appreciate your feedback. Also, it's been a while since I've asked if you will like the show on iTunes. Um, that helps us out. It pushes us up in the rankings and helps other people find the Productive Flourishing podcast. So we are rolling into, you know, we're recording this in late April. Yeah. Um, we're going to be rolling into the summer. If it fits your business or your career, I really hope you'll think about what a summer slobatical might look like for you. Or if you're on the end where it feels like at the end of the year is better, like what does that what would that look like for you? And again, what conditions would need to be in place to make that happen for you? There's a certain amount of time we are humans. We put our hearts and soul into our work. And sometimes we just need to slow down a little bit, um, regather who we are and what we're about, and then step forward stronger. Until next time, stand tall and start finishing. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.